Welcome everyone to Tough Love with Dr. Laura Copley, a podcast where we explore all things related to complex trauma, healing, and transformative growth. I am your host, Dr. Laura Copley, licensed professional counselor, relationship trauma expert, international speaker, and author of the relationship self-help book, Loving You Is Hurting Me. Your time to deepen your life and explore your relationships begins right now. Season two, everyone, thank you all for your patience for this upcoming season. So much has happened both in my personal life and as we all know, culturally in our world that has impacted how I decided to move forward with this podcast. So what's good? Let's start off there. My book, Loving You Is Hurting Me, was officially released in October, and I've spent the past couple months preparing for that, bebopping on various podcasts and at some local book signings. I have been asked to write for the Psychotherapy Networker magazine as an expert on trauma bonds and toxic relationships, and I'm going to be writing for the blog on positivepsychology.com. Good stuff. Very good stuff. And I am so grateful, but... I could not move forward with all this good stuff in my life and what I had planned for this podcast and pretend that the treacherous, heart-wrenching tragedy that is unfolding in the Middle East isn't happening. I had planned for a different season two episode, but before I am an educator and a healer, I am a human being that must stand for something. And I'm going to be honest. I might get a lot of crap for this, but too many of my peers and colleagues and mentors, people that I look up to, are hiding behind their love and light persona, not using their voice to advocate for injustice and trauma and oppression. And honestly, I'm going to tell you straight up what's going to happen, whether it's one year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now. Those people, those love and light social media influencers and those self-proclaimed gurus and healers and the experts that are my mentors that are not standing up for something, they will be talking about this trauma that's unfolding right now in whatever way becomes socially appropriate, pretending that they took a stance. They're going to talk about it when it's safe. And they're going to talk about it from some sort of superior place as though they've been through it and they did something about it. I've seen it happen and I'm seeing it happen now. At the same time, though, I get it. It's scary to take a stance. It's scary to speak out when you know maybe some of your friends and family and colleagues believe something different. It's scary when you have built a brand that's based on followers and you might lose thousands of them. It's scary to think about getting cornered and verbally attacked and name-called. The fallouts that we might experience, the fallouts of friendships and family connections, it, it is painful. But also leaning into the reality of bombings and innocent people and children dying and genocide and ethnic cleansing and terrorism and oppression and injustice, it's, it's painful to lean into that too. I know we don't want it to be real. It is painful to see it happen. 
to research, to educate yourself, the grief, the rage, the empathy, it's all painful to hold. It is much easier to pretend it's not happening, to stay silent, to avoid, to deflect. It's much more comfortable, isn't it? There are psychologically beneficial reasons why we do this too, but ultimately we need to recognize if these mechanisms of deflection and avoidance and silence are actually serving us and the greater good. We need to recognize it and own it. And we are going to take a gentle step forward in recognizing our tendency to engage in these behaviors in today's episode. When you're ready, here is your weekly dose of tough love. It took me a bit to think about how I wanted to use this platform. Do I lecture about decolonization? Do I finger point at the oppressor-oppressed dynamic? Do I bring up all the history that has led us to this point in time? Or do I shed light on why we stay silent? Do I call out the psychology of how deflection and avoidance both serves and sabotages? Do I encourage people to check how these mechanisms are playing out in their lives? Maybe this, maybe this will get us to slow down and own what we at the tiniest individual level can start doing today in a variety of ways, in a variety of topics and for a variety of themes that's happening, a a variety of belief systems. Maybe that attainable small step is where many of us need to start. That is what I can do. So let's dive in. First, let's understand what defense mechanisms are. These are unconscious psychological strategies we use to cope with reality and to maintain our self-image. We all do this. Sometimes when we feel incapable of experiencing reality for what it is, when it's too hard, when it threatens us too much, when it's challenging to some of the foundational views that we have, we use a variety of psychological methods to protect ourselves from experiencing it. We're going to cover a few today. When we deflect, we're shifting the focus or blame away from ourselves. We don't want to own or see our role in something. Deflection is when we shift the focus from a difficult topic that's hard for us to understand or that we're limited on or that we don't want to look at in ourselves. And it's shifting that to something that's less challenging and more approachable and easier for us. It's like when a news story quickly moves from a hard-hitting issue all of a sudden to something lighter. Avoidance. Now, that's when we sidestep an uncomfortable situation or feeling. It's similar, but avoidance is when we outright ignore or steer clear of challenging topics. It's like completely changing the channel on a news report that makes us uncomfortable. But why do we do this? Why avoid painful and heartbreaking topics, especially if it's real? It's especially when it's part of our world's reality. Psychologically, it's complex. One reason is what we call cognitive dissonance. And this is when holding two conflicting belief systems creates discomfort within yourself. 
For example, you want to believe in a world that is just and safe. But then seeing injustice, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to understand. It's easier to look away than to reconcile these conflicting ideas. And then silence is when we retreat into ourselves, choosing not to express our emotions or our opinions. We might have them. We might be saturated with the news. Our whole algorithm on our social medias and our Instagram might be completely littered with the news and the media and heartbreaking things, but we're staying silent. We may know reality, but the thought of standing up for something threatens you too much, or we at least perceive it that way. We do this because we believe we cannot handle the fallout of what would happen to us if we took a stance. Painful topics, devastating, horrifying realities that we know are happening right now, they can evoke deep emotional responses. And it's natural to want to avoid feelings of sadness and anger and helplessness. And then there's the possibility also that our views, the things we thought were true, are being challenged. And instead of being courageous enough to admit it, we stay silent. We have a really hard time owning that we might be wrong. We often curate a comfortable worldview to satisfy satisfy our own comfort. And when something contradicts this, it's unsettling and staying silent is easier for you. So while these defense mechanisms have psychological underpinnings, that makes sense. And while sometimes these psychological defense mechanisms actually serve you and help you, especially as you had to go through a particular trauma, they're not always serving the world. And on a greater level, in the face of tragedies and collective traumas and oppression and cultural injustices, staying silent and avoiding and deflecting is hurting the world. It's stifling it. It's creating stagnation in it. It holds us back from movement and healing. Admitting we might be wrong about something or uninformed isn't easy. It requires vulnerability and a willingness to change. And that's not always a journey we're ready to take. Overcoming our defense mechanisms of deflection, avoidance, and silence requires a conscious and deliberate effort towards self-awareness and emotional intelligence. And I'm going to challenge all of you listening to sit and ponder and think of it. Even if you think, no, I'm, I'm right. I'm right about whatever the topic might be. If you think you're just pausing and researching and educating and reflecting and doing your own work. I'm going to challenge you all to do that. The first step is to recognize these patterns in ourselves, though, to identify the moments in time in our individual lives, in our relationships, in our jobs and careers, and culturally worldwide. 
We need to identify the moments when we deflect and avoid and stay silent. We need to become aware of them and own the fact that we're doing it. This awareness allows us to pause and reflect on our own reactions, understanding the underlying emotions and fears driving these behaviors. We need open communication, especially with those we can trust, because that can be a really powerful tool in breaking these patterns. Do you have people in your life that will sit with you and process out loud without criticizing, judging, or shaming? Do you have somebody to be open-minded with to have actual discussions? Sharing our thoughts and vulnerabilities in safe spaces encourage honesty and reduces the need for defensive behaviors. And we're just seeing so much of that, so much defensiveness politically and culturally, um, even, even within friendships groups and within our family, we are defensive human beings when we think that we're being told we are wrong. But instead of pointing fingers, what happens when we can just openly process in a safe way? Practicing mindfulness and emotional regulation techniques can also help in managing the discomfort that leads to these mechanisms. So you also need to learn how to soothe and calm the nervous system when you feel that defensiveness start to rise. How can you keep yourself grounded and speak with clarity? Now, remember, I'm speaking about this when it comes to injustices and collective traumas that are happening in our world and belief systems and political discussions and these global topics that we need to be more prepared for to actually talk about. I understand that that level of collective global trauma is different than if you at a singular level are going through something. Over time, through self-reflection, open dialogue, and consistent effort, we can gradually shift from instinctive defense to thoughtful response, leading to a stronger sense of self and what we actually stand for. Courage isn't just found on battlefields or in grand heroic gestures. It's in the quiet yet profound moments of introspection where we confront our deepest belief systems and where they actually came from. To be courageous is to embrace vulnerability, to acknowledge that we are fallible and that our understanding of the world is perpetually evolving and it is okay to evolve with it. It takes immense bravery to look within and recognize that a belief system we've once held close, perhaps for a lifetime, might actually be flawed or incomplete. This courage is not about admitting defeat. Rather, it's about celebrating the human capacity for growth and learning. Can you give yourself the opportunity to do that? When we dare to question our long-held convictions and actually explore them for once to make them our own, we're not just altering a viewpoint, we're embarking on a transformative journey that reshapes our identity and that is okay. 
It broadens our perspective and it deepens our understanding of the complex tapestry of human experience. Breaking through and challenging old belief structures that no longer serve us or that hurt others to embrace new experiences and opinions, it all requires a multifaceted approach that combines self-awareness, openness, and courage. Here are some of the key steps to undertake this transformative journey. One, cultivate self-awareness. I want you to start practicing introspection, acknowledging your current belief systems and biases across the board, from yourself to your home, to your neighborhood, to your jobs, to your state, to your country, politically, economically, and globally. Understand how your ego defends these beliefs and why. Where did that even come from in the first place? And why so defensive when other people have different opinions? This self-awareness can be cultivated through practices like journaling and meditation and self-education and going back in time and looking at the history and the timeline of how this particular message was brought to you. Number two, seek knowledge and understanding. I want you to start actively educating yourself about different perspectives and experiences. This can be through reading, listening to diverse viewpoints on podcasts or talks, and engaging with people from various backgrounds. Understanding different angles helps in loosening the grip of rigid beliefs. Number three, engage in open dialogue. Practice participating in conversations where opinions vary. Approach these interactions with the intent to listen and to understand rather than respond or defend. I am going to say that one again. I want you to practice approaching these interactions with people who have opinions different from you from a place of intention to listen and to understand them rather than waiting for your turn to respond or to defend yourself. This open communication can challenge your perspective and foster empathy. Number four, embrace vulnerability. Recognize that changing your beliefs or admitting you were wrong or misinformed takes vulnerability. And vulnerability is the most approachable thing. It makes us human. It's strength, not weakness. And it helps us open ourselves up to growth and change. This means sometimes stepping outside of your comfort zone and facing uncomfortable truths. Are you capable of doing that? Number five, practice critical thinking. We are not taught this well, unfortunately, in our school system. But what a skill this is. Start to practice analyzing new information critically but fairly. Weigh the evidence. Stop taking things just at their word. Weigh it. 
weigh the evidence and the arguments and be willing to question even your deepest convictions. Because in doing so, you actually find your way to your version of what your conviction is instead of just being plopped into your life and told that this is what you have to believe. Find it yourself. This doesn't mean being skeptical of everything, but rather being open to questioning and re-evaluating. This doesn't make you a traitor or disloyal. It makes you smart. And I hope you can hear that. Number six, develop emotional resilience. Easier said than done, I know. Changing deep-seated beliefs can be emotionally challenging. We develop resilience through practices like mindfulness, stress management, therapy, seeking support from friends and family. Number seven, take incremental steps. Start small. Make your goals attainable. Get some success stories under your belt of ways that you've done this for yourself. It doesn't have to be the most cataclysmic thing to start off with. In fact, I think if we start there for so many of us, it'll be too much and too big and we'll shut down and go into old patterns. I would rather you build up some success stories of how you can reevaluate and actually claim for yourself what you want to believe than for something that you're not ready for. Begin by making minor changes in your thoughts and actions, gradually building up to more significant shifts. Number eight, live your new truths. As you develop new beliefs, align your actions with them. This might mean changing certain habits. This might mean standing up for causes you believe in. This might mean voicing your opinion in a, in a crowd or a family or a holiday or on your Instagram or whatever. Even when some of your followers or your family or your friends might disagree. Number nine, be patient and compassionate with yourself. This is a journey. I know that. You know that I'm on one, you're on one. There will be moments of doubt and backsliding. We will second guess ourselves sometimes. Be patient. Have compassion for yourself during these times. Personal growth is not linear. And number 10, stand up for your beliefs courageously. As you solidify your new beliefs, stand for them with courage. This doesn't mean becoming rigid or dogmatic, but rather holding your convictions with confidence while remaining open to continual learning and growth. None of us are done yet. Nobody is done yet. There's room for growth in every single human being on the planet. Remember, the goal is not to abandon all of your current beliefs. So many of those things shape who we are and our identity and our culture. I get it but to ensure that your beliefs are actually truly yours, you need to go through a process of thoughtful consideration, openness, and personal growth. If you don't do this, those beliefs that you're abiding by in your life, they're not actually yours. This is your journey. We need to start believing 
in ourselves and our own belief systems that we have found on our own, not something that you were told or indoctrinated to believe. This is about breaking patterns. Normalizing the act of changing our minds is essential in a world that often prizes consistency over truth. To change one's mind in the light of new information or understanding isn't a sign of weakness. It is a testament to strength and adaptability. You are making a declaration that you are not a static being, but dynamic and evolving, always moving towards greater wisdom and empathy. When we permit ourselves this flexibility, we create a culture of learning and openness where ideas can be exchanged and refined in the pursuit of truth and understanding. Changing our minds is not just okay, it is crucial. It's a crucial aspect of our journey as lifelong learners, shaping a more informed, compassionate, and connected world. Don't we all want that? Let's embrace this change, not with fear or hesitation, but with possible optimism and a fire for exploration and charting new and enlightened paths. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode of Tough Love with them. And if this episode resonated with you, I encourage you to follow my Instagram account at Doc Copley for more free guidance on trauma and healing. And don't forget to check out my book, Loving You Is Hurting Me. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. See you next time.